What's up, guys? It's the Blue Bloods, and we are back. We are starting our bowl season breakdown. These are just going to be a series of episodes where we preview different bowl games. We might be recapping and previewing. We might just be previewing. You'll never know. We're going to let y'all know here. Right today, we're going to be previewing the next five bowl games up on the slate of bowl games. We've had some cancellations. We've had some teams opt out. Some teams that shouldn't have been in bowl games that finally opted out, thank God. No one wanted to see a 2-8 and eight South Carolina team do anything. Let's be completely honest. We're going to start with those five bowl games, but we're going to wrap it up with storylines. Auburn finally found their Gus Malzahn replacement out in Boise, Idaho. So we're going to break down whether that was a good, bad, or just a, all right, I guess that's okay, higher. And then to wrap it up, we're going to list our Heisman finalists, the three people we think should, that should be invited to New York for the Heisman. And we're going to give our breakdown of the odds we give to each candidate. And I think you guys are going to be surprised of who the favorite betting odds, who the be- betting odds favor right now. But we have a full show today, guys. So let's go ahead and kick it off. We're going to start with the New Mexico Bowl. And Brandon, this game is in Frisco, Texas. It's not even in New Mexico because of COVID, because New Mexico will not allow this bowl game to actually be there. They should have changed the name, in my opinion. But we got the New Mexico Bowl, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, and the Houston Cougars. Four and four versus three and four. Brandon, 2.30 tomorrow on Christmas Eve. Who do you have and why? Yeah, so it's just a classic bowl game matchup. Uh, the New Mexico Bowl being played in Texas. I, I guess every bowl game is just moving to Texas now because the Rose Bowl is going to be in Dallas for some reason. Um, I don't know. I don't know who we got to talk to. I understand that California <laughs> has their restrictions. I didn't realize that the COVID outbreak was so ramp it was so uh, rampant in in New Mexico though. Uh, I didn't seems, even know. Odd to me. <laughs> I didn't even know enough people lived in New Mexico to actually be that affected. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, how big was this breakout? Did like six of their seven citizens catch it, or, or something? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not positive. But Zach, what I will say about this matchup is that um, I think there's a clear cut winner in this one. Really, I, I mean, and and Houston hasn't been super dominant over the past what two, three seasons now. I, I mean, yeah. there was a time, there's a time and place when Houston was really good, and they, you know, they even made it to a New Year's Six Bowl a few years back. Um, it's not the same team. But I still just – I still feel like this this Houston team is going to be so much better than Hawaii. And it's not just because Hawaii is not playing on the island. Uh, I just – this Houston team, to me, has been very impressive. Um, their, their quarterback, uh, dang, what's – Clayton Toon is his name. Um, he's passed for nearly 2,000 yards this season. That's 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And Miami's quarter uh, – not Miami. Houston's quarterback is, I mean, on the stat sheet, pretty similar – except for he can actually move his legs. He can actually run. He's very mobile. Um, but but this, this Houston team, to me, just seems so much more put together. And and I know that I'm not giving you a whole lot of good stats right now. That's what Zach's for. Um, everyone <laughs> who listens to this podcast knows that I'm just going to give you, like, my gut feeling, who I think should win. And then Zach's going to be like, well, actually, according to 
according to uh, Pro Football Focus, uh, so and whatever. But but Houston's going this game. If you need to put a bet down on this one, take Houston minus ten and a half. I think that'll hit for sure. Yeah, it, the line's ten and a half right now. I, I think that's a. Uh, I, I you know it started out at seven, Brandon. It just keeps getting higher, and I don't know exactly. I mean, yes, Houston should be the favorite, but man, that line to move almost four points that quickly is pretty outstanding. I mean, they have to be seeing something that they're not liking here. And let's be honest, the AAC is a little bit better than the Mountain West, Brandon. I think we can safely say that outside of San Jose and maybe Boise State, the Mountain West does not give us much. The AAC had a team in the top 10 this year. Um, Right. It shows the depth of that conference. I mean, like you said, I, th- I like Toon as a quarterback. I know we gave him a lot of flack early in the season because a lot of people didn't expect a lot from him, but he is looking to continue the long line of quarterbacks that have come out of Houston. Like you said, the kid can do it with his legs. He could do it through the air, and it's hard to compare stats because everyone played so many different games this year. And, you know, what's at stake here, though, Brandon? The Cougars are trying to avoid consecutive losing seasons for the first time since 2000. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really real. That's that's real bad. I mean, Hawaii also has a dual threat. Um, I mean, he's thrown for almost 2,000 yards, 11 touchdowns. And, I, you know, the, the thing to watch here, Brandon, Houston's only played one game in the past five weeks. Right, right. And we have seen so many teams struggle after being off so long. And But their one game was against Memphis, Brandon, and they held that offense down. They held them to 30 points. They held them to way below their averages in points, yards, yards to the air, yards on the ground. They played really good defense. And you look at Houston's losses, Brandon. You look at three and four. Their losses are to BYU, UCF, Cincinnati and Memphis, and three of those were on the road. Right, right. And and, and what I what I also want to point out while while we're talking about losses on the road, um, Hawaii's only played three road games this season. They won the first one against Fresno, but they lost the other two to Wyoming, thirty-one to seven, and San Diego State, thirty-four to ten. I'm going to keep beating this in your brains, people. Hawaii's not good on the road. <laughs> no, and they're also not good at home. They lost to San Jose State and Boise State at home this year. I mean, yeah, but that was the conference championship. Like, those were the two best teams in that conference. That's, that's fair enough. Uh, that's fair enough. I mean, they did. They look competitive against Boise State, not really so much against San Jose State. Um, but, you know, breaking down these two teams, looking at everything, Brandon, I think it's fairly safe to say Houston's going to win this. Neither defense is very consistent, consistent, both giving up over 400 yards per game. So I actually think it's going to be closer than the spread suggests. I have Houston 35 35- 27 over the Rainbow Warriors um, tomorrow at 2.30 for some reason in Texas in the New Mexico Bowl. I feel like this is going to be a repeat for, for Hawaii. Um, same score and everything in the San Jose State game. I'm going, with, I'm going with Houston 35, Hawaii 24. I like that. I like that score. But, guys, the next bowl, the Camilla Bowl. Um, you know, I'm actually a fan of this bowl. It's in Montgomery, Alabama in the Crampton Bowl. We have Marshall versus Buffalo, Brandon. And I'm so, so excited for this game because we finally get to see Jared Patterson. So what are your thoughts on this game and who do you have here? I'm not excited for it, Zach, because I don't think it's going to be a good game. I think Buffalo is going to destroy Marshall. 
because Marshall has been on the hottest two-game losing streak of all time. And they've lost to, like, I get it, UAB is a good team, but Rice is simply not a good team, and they got shut out. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with them. Yeah. And I know I know that Buffalo got beat by Ball State, and we were both we, – we had a big swing and a miss on that one in our, bowl, in our uh, conference championship weekend preview because Ball State is just a, not a good team either. But – but but Buffalo, I mean, they have a Jared Patterson, and that's really all that matters to me. And that and that Marshall is just—I don't know if they're allowed to win football games anymore. I mean, you're looking at a five and one team versus a seven and two team here. For some reason, they're making these teams play on Christmas, which should be illegal. Um, you know, the quarterback battle—I'm really not too interested in. Grant Wells is really good, but. I don't think he's, as you've seen these past two weeks, he can't really carry an offense by himself. Kyle Van Treese just specializes in giving Jared Patterson the ball. That's the only reason you should watch this game. At, at lunch for Christmas, turn on this game, ESPN, 1.30 p.m. Central Time, and watch Jared Patterson go to work. This kid, Brandon, is second in rushing touchdowns, tied with Barisi Hall, only three. I think three touchdowns behind Najee Harris for the most rushing touchdowns in a season. And he's played six games. No five. Cause he was out last game. So five games. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, the only thing I will say, I will give Marshall credit on this sec is that, is that their rushing defense is actually pretty good. Pretty good. Like Mark, that's like the one redeeming quality about Marshall. Um, and they're a good team. Don't, don't let me talk that bad about them. Their defense is really, really good. Their defense as a whole is good but their rushing defense is incredible. And I don't know if, I mean, if they, if, if they can stop Jared Patterson, they'll win this, or they'll keep this game close. I don't know if they'll win this game. They'll keep this game closer though. But man, if, if their defense is having an off day, if, if they decide they're going to let up more points than they have all season. And what's the most points they've let up this season? Because from what I'm seeing, it looks like 17 is the most that they've let up all season. Uh, Marshall? Like, that's nuts. Yeah. No, I mean they gave up twenty. They gave up uh, twenty-two to UAB last week. Right, right. They lost twenty-two, and they lost. Yeah, so the dude, it's been slipping, guys. You hear that? So the most they let up before these last two losses was seventeen. Then they let up twenty against Rice and twenty-two against UAB. Jerry Patterson is probably going to score four touchdowns by himself. <laughs> you see, that's the reason I think Buffalo runs like could run away with this one, Brandon, is. Marshall's defense has been keeping them in games because their offense is not very efficient against high-level talent. I mean, 20 against FAU, 13 against UAB. Like you said, nothing against Rice. What's going to happen when Buffalo can control the ball and move the ball? They have not faced a running back the caliber of Jared Patterson yet. I think he's going to eat, man. He has over, he has almost 1,100 yards rushing in Five games. He has almost it as makes, many rushing. He has almost as many rushing yards as his quarterback has passing. Brandon, that that shouldn't be legal. What also shouldn't be legal is that he has nineteen touchdowns in six games. Uh, and I get it, eight of those came in one game, but but still, like nineteen tu- nineteen touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in like a regular season is good. Let alone six games. And the only and he's only been in five because he missed last game because of COVID. See, uh, that's why they lost, you know? He would have been in. They would have smacked Ball State. <laughs> I mean, Jared Patterson, he's going to eat this weekend. Brandon, I don't think this one's going to be – I think this one's going to be more of a shootout-type game. But I have Buffalo pulling away late. I have Buffalo 49-28 – 
definitely smashing that four and a half point spread they have. You think, wow, my, you really think Marshall's defense is going to 49 points? Yes. I mean, you look okay. at what Buff, you, Buffalo, in their lowest margin was 28 last week against Ball State. They scored 42, 42, 70, 56. This offense could put up points. They're averaging almost 50 points a game this year. Okay, you talked me into it. Uh, Buffalo, 42, Marshall, <laughs> 24. You said, I'm just going to go like three points off his score and I can't lose. I can't lose. (laughs) (laughs) But guys, to move on here, we have the first responders bowl also in Texas, in Dallas, Texas this time, Ford Stadium. And we have the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns facing the UTSA Roadrunners. In case you guys don't know what UTSA means, University of Texas, San Antonio, and Brandon, this is a 13 and a half point spread, and I don't know if it's that close. It's it, it can't be right, I, and I get it. UL, you know, they, they win games, but they don't win games by a lot unless they're playing against South Alabama or Louisiana Monroe. Um, but this is this is Texas San Antonio. We're not talking about a good team here, we're talking about a conference USA uh, team that benefited from a conference USA only schedule and went seven and four. And that's mm-hmm. not to say that a Sunbelt schedule is a lot harder than that, but I think it's a little harder than that. I mean, there's some quality teams in the Sunbelt. I mean, we got, we got, uh, we have Louisiana Lafayette. We have Appalachian State. We have, uh, Troy's usually pretty good. Coastal Carolina. Uh, I mean, Coastal, yeah, well, forget about that. That's their only <laughs> loss. And they lost to Coastal Carolina by three points. So yep. Louisiana Lafayette, I mean, they've got a shot here. And look, Everyone knows I'm the biggest Raging Cajuns fan on this podcast. <laughs> so I'm wearing my I'm wearing my UL hat as we speak. Um, so yeah, I'm go- I'm going with Louisiana Lafayette. I don't think I need to provide a reason either. But if I did need to provide a reason, I'd go with Levi Lewis. I mean, this kid uh, is, this kid's special, and you know he's special, Zach. I don't know. He probably won't make a shot at the NFL. I mean, he's a senior. He might take his one more year at UL. But I mean, this kid has impressed me this season for sure. And I think the this Cajun team is going to be very motivated. We just came off – we're going to break it down later, but they just came off their head coach turning down the Auburn head coaching job to stay. I mean, these kids are going to play. No one's opting out. You know, Billy Napier is going to have these kids ready to go. UTSA, I, they've been good. Their, their best player, in my opinion, personally, is um, – since – sincere McCormick that is yes sincere and he's their starting running back he has 1300 yards rushing 11 touchdowns he's been there almost their entire offense their passing game is mediocre at best I mean only about only 1400 yards passing this year behind Frank Harris Levi Lewis is the better quarterback and I really do like Elijah Mitchell I want to see him show up this game because they're going to have to match McCormick on the other side running the ball to win this game I, I need to see the same Louisiana Lafayette defense, Brandon, that I saw week one against Iowa State. They shut down Barisi Hall. They was one of the only games Barisi Hall didn't run for 100 yards. They're going to have to keep McCormick. They have to limit him. They might not hold them uh, hold him under 50 or anything crazy like that, but just keep him from 100. Let him get 75, 80. Let him not establish a rhythm. Hold him under five yards of carry, and Louisiana Lafayette is going to run away with this game. Levi Lewis is clutch, like you said. And 
even if UTSA makes this a game, Brandon, I am no, I, I am not confident in more confident in any other team in the country in winning close games than I am this Raging Cages team because they do it because they have confidence behind them in Napier. And I think this team is ready for whatever the Roadrunners throw at them. Oh, I absolutely agree. And, and look, this isn't only, you know, they're motivated by their head coach that hasn't taken another job, has turned down several jobs. I mean, I don't know if he's going to stay at UL, but it looks like he's pretty committed to this team right now. Um, and also, I mean, they're coming off of a canceled conference championship game, that rematch against Coastal Carolina. And we, we all saw Billy Napier's comments where he, was, where he was saying that they wanted to play somebody. He's like, can we do something? Like, like we're just going to cancel it. We're not going to play. We're not going to get this rematch. I mean, that had to fire this team up, right? And, and so they're probably, feel, they're probably going into this game, into this bowl game, like looking to prove something. Like they're about to go off. You know, because they canceled it, they should have let them play. Like this, this game's the 26th. Coastal Carolina plays coming up. Let's let them play. Like let them play in early January. Here's something I thought about, um, and it's 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 just my dumb brain at work. It's what it does. <laughs> I, I was just I think I think it was today at work. I was just like, what can I talk about on the podcast? And this is what it was. <laughs> I said, you know what? The sun or the conference or yeah, it was a Sun Belt Conference Championship got canceled because Coastal Carolina had COVID, and then Washington had to cancel because they had COVID. Let's let USC and UL play because UL wins that game nine times out of ten. Oh, you're going to disrespect your boy Keaton like that? I love Keaton, but come on. The Raging Cajuns. <laughs> Let's go. Listen, listen, I think the Raging Cajuns have the better defense, the better coach, the better offense, the better quarterback. And when you have all those factors working in your in your favor, I think you're going to win the game nine times out of ten. I have the Raging Cajuns, Brandon, 35 to 20 on the 26 over the Roadrunners. You stole a very you stole a score that was very close to mine, so I'm about to switch mine up a little bit. I had, I had UL scoring 35 as well. Okay, that's good. 35, Roll with it. Roll with it. Okay. 35-14 UL. I like it. I like it. Guys, we're moving on to the Lending Tree Bowl in our hometown, Mobile, Alabama, Lad Peeble Stadium. Brandon, they moved this game to 230, which which is probably safer for everybody. I, I, I'm actually kind of interested in this game. This was the hardest game I think I've had to pick, Brandon, out of all the bowl games we've covered right now. We have a 5-6 and six Western Kentucky team and a 5-4 and four Georgia State team. And right now the spread is 3.5 Georgia State. Who do you have and why here? Now <laughs> – it's funny that you say that it took you forever to choose this game because I'm still just baffled. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think because these teams, I mean, they're like the polar opposite of each other because while you, you have one team who has just a really, really good offense and it looks like no defense in Georgia State, and then you have the exact opposite or in, in Western Kentucky where they just don't have an offense and they cannot move the ball whatsoever – but they're holding teams to 330 yards again uh, total. So, I, I mean, I don't know what to think. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's the worst game of all time. You have a terrible offense ver- versus a really, really bad defense and a decent offense against a pretty decent defense. And it's like, which is going to give? Right. I mean, that's exactly like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, what I will say is that Georgia State definitely could have benefited by a better running game in this one. Because it just like that's the one hole in Western Kentucky, or yeah, in Western Kentucky's defense. It just seems like they can't stop the run. I mean, they're allowing a hundred, uh, 
what are they doing? 166 yards on the ground a game. Like that, that's pitiful. That's terrible. But like their pass <laughs> defense is so good. Like it doesn't make sense. Like like they're only allowing 170 yards through the air a game. Like how how are you allowing the same amount of, of rushing yards as you are passing yards? That doesn't make sense to me. You know, the worst part is the leading receiver for uh, Western Kentucky has one touchdown. Xavier Lane, he has one touchdown on the year. They spread the ball out, man, <laughs> apparently. That, that, that's that's tough, right? I mean, you got one well, touchdown not, for your – It's not like that's good either. Like, like he, he has 376 yards on the year, but he has 34 receptions. So he has like 10 yards a, a catch. That's not good. So where, you know, where are the other passes going? I, I, I don't the line of scrimmage. I don't know. I mean, and the worst part is like neither of these teams are good, but both ended on win streaks. Georgia State won three of its last four games. Western Kentucky three straight wins to end the season. It's like, what? What do? You, where do you go here? I mean, you got to look at players. Cornelius Brown the fourth. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman quarterback for Georgia State. He's leading. He's second in the Sun Belt in passing yards and total offense. Has 14 touchdowns through the air and seven on the ground. Then you got D'Angelo uh, Malone for Western Kentucky, who's the defending CUSA Defensive Player of the Year. Brandon, right? It's there's right. so much to break down here, and the reason I'm going to stick with Georgia State here, Brandon, is because their defense over the last few games has only allowed about 18 points per game. That includes South Alabama that was putting up major points. And they played at South Alabama. So they've been to Mobile before this year. They played at App State and held that team to 17 points. Their only embarrassing loss was to Coastal Carolina, which they lost 51 to nothing. I'm not going to blame them there. Yeah. That that same def- that same defense made Zach Wilson look like a bum, and we saw what Zach Wilson did last night to UCF. Right. Well, we didn't have to talk about that. But. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. It's not on this episode. And Western <laughs> Kentucky, four, 41 to ten against BYU, and Brandon, they muster six points against FAU and ten points against Southern Miss. Which is, yeah, I mean. If that's not a testament to your offense, then I don't know what is. So that's all. <laughs> if you if you can only put up ten against Southern Miss, then I'm sorry. Like that, you just have, you don't have an offense. You need to fire your OC. I don't know who he is, but but fire him immediately. It, it's a bad look to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I, 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 there's a couple of LSU coaches on the on the um, on the market now, so. Might <laughs> Um, so I got a low scoring game here, Brandon. I have I have a theory. Western Kentucky's not going to get to twenty. I, I have a lot more confidence in Georgia State getting to twenty. I have Georgia State twenty one, Western Kentucky thirteen down in Mobile this weekend. I'm going with I'll go with Georgia State as well. Twenty eight to ten. I don't I don't think I don't think Western Kentucky scores at all. Also, yeah. Zach, this game is being played in Lad at Lad mm-hmm. People Stadium in Mobile when there is a brand new stadium like like I 20 know. minutes away. <laughs> like why why are you, we you, there? you know mobile politics, bro. You know mobile oh, politics. Yeah. Do we know what the, where the senior bowls are gonna be at this year yet? Because I, that's, I think that's not I think it's South at South stadium. stadium. I think it's at South Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Also, we need to get credential I already put in my application, but if you're listening if anyone on the senior bowl board is listening Go ahead and go ahead and put those through me and, me and my boy Zach. <laughs> Y'all heard it here first, but we got we got one more bowl game to preview, guys. And this is the one of this is the best bowl game of the of the year so far. Liberty Coastal Carolina. 
the Cure Bowl, which is a terrible name, um, in Camping World Stadium, Orlando, Florida, Brandon. Right now, the Chanticleers are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you have in this really, really good matchup? So this was actually a really hard one for me to pick. I mean, for obvious reasons. You know, we have Coastal Carolina, who's 11-0. They'd probably be 11-1 if they wouldn't have caught COVID last week or whatever. But um, And then we have Liberty, who's 9-1. I mean, Liberty has been putting on a show this season, too. I mean, the only loss was to NC State. It was a one-point loss. I don't know how they dropped the end to NC State. I don't know if they were like – it's not like they were overlooking it or anything. I mean, the week after that, they had they had UMass. I mean, they had Massachusetts Amherst. Like, who was looking forward to that game? That's the worst team in, in Division One <laughs> football. And I'm not I'm, – that's not an exaggeration. They are the actual they, – they haven't won a game in like three years, I don't think. That's and, tough. And so, like, I don't know why – I don't know where Liberty's head was at there. Uh, Hugh Freeze wasn't even in the hospital bed, so I don't get it. But um, I think I'm going to have to go with Coastal Carolina here just because that's kind of what I'm rooting for, Zach. I'm rooting – I always root for a team that is going to be able to claim a national championship once the season's done. So if they win this game, I mean, would you put it past Coastal Carolina, the mullets, to claim a national championship after the season? You know, on the contrary, I think they should – I think no. I just said they should. I'm rooting yeah. for that. Yeah, I I think they should completely claim a natty. Yeah, I mean, that's, I that's would love what, it. I mean, I'm, that's where I'm putting my money. Them and Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati should claim one too. <laughs> we just have a anyone who went undefeated this year. San Jose State, claim your natty. Pull up to the window, turning your ticket, and get your natty. If there's a year to have more than one national championship champion, I'm talking like oh, I'm talking like. Uh, what was the LSU team? Was it 03 LSU that, that shared it with USC? And then yeah. it was 97 Michigan and, and Tennessee, I think. Like, we need another shared national title. We're long past due. You see, I, I think – I don't even know if we should share it. I think Coastal Carolina should play Alabama for it. <laughs> okay. Or Clemson, whoever wins it. Just – if you, if you want to claim a natty, you got to go through the tournament. No, I, I want it to be Coastal Carolina because – I, I need Coastal Carolina to, like, challenge Alabama after the season, just, like, meet them in the backyard and, and duke it out. That's what I want. Well, like, no pads, do, no nothing. <laughs> do you know the chaos that would ensue if Coastal Carolina beat Alabama? I, I mean, just the whole state of Alabama is put on suicide watch. <laughs> that might be the only way to get Nick Saban fired. We need this to happen, Coastal Carolina. Do not let us down. As an yeah, Auburn fan, I need this to happen. Um, <laughs> but I'm also going with Coastal Carolina here, Brandon. And it really boiled down to who has let me down this year and who hasn't. I've picked Coastal Carolina every time they've been on the podcast ever. They've always won. I picked Liberty. You decided to miss an extra point to lose to NC State, so you cannot be trusted. That was tough. Plus, plus – Grayson McCall is a is one. I think I, I I could you say he was the best true freshman quarterback in the country this year? Um, if he wasn't, then he was he was close because I and I, and like no one else comes to mind. So probably or Max Johnson. Max Johnson's I'm going with. Yeah, he he had an all right one, I guess, but no, he didn't start. It, it, it was he no, didn't it start though till like it was McCall for sure. Like yeah, I mean, twenty three touchdowns, two interceptions, Brandon, over twenty one hundred yards uh, passing, and my X factor, Brandon, 
is Marable, the running back for Coastal Carolina. Every big game, C.J. Marable shows up big time. He had a big game against BYU. He's had big games against Appalachian State. He really helped this team squeak by Troy a few weeks ago. And I also think both of these defenses put up respectable stats. They're both allowing about 18, 19 points a game, both allowing about 300 to 350. I think Coastal Carolina's defense steps up here. I I know Hugh Freeze is a great coach. I know Malik Willis has been balling, but I don't know about you, Brandon. The shine has just been washed off Liberty for me. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. I mean, not only have they lost their shine, I feel like this team's – I feel like this team's at a disadvantage just because they're so one-dimensional. I mean, Malik Willis is this team. I mean, as far as he goes, is as far as Liberty's – like, as far as he takes Liberty, is as far as they're going to go. Because, I mean – He's doing it all through the air on his feet. I mean, he has as many rushing yards as like most running backs do. Uh, that's weird. Like, it's weird that he only has <laughs> he has like forty less yards than than CJ Marable at this point in the season, and he's played one less game. Uh, I mean, I mean, you give him one more game, and he's he's beat him out. He's averaging more yards to carry than CJ Marable, and, and yeah. so I mean, and you have to take into account like his numbers that includes sacks. Like we're not. This isn't just like he's taking the ball and he's running forward like a running back. Maybe he'll lose one or two yards. We're talking about sacks where he loses seven yards. Like it includes that. That's how dangerous this guy is. But I think Coastal Carolina team is good enough to where they can study up for him, um, and they they can they can take him out of the game. You know, I don't know if you can say that about the rest of Liberty's schedule, just because Liberty's been playing teams that are allowed to play independent teams. You know, so they're playing yeah. the Conference USA's. They're playing. Uh, UMass, who's another uh, independent. I mean, they're playing the ACC, which is good and all, but uh, I mean, they're also <laughs> playing Western Carolina. So I think they've benefited from a from a fairly weak schedule. Yeah, and the fact that Liberty gave up thirty five points to teams like Southern Miss is a problem. That's bad. That's real bad. That's that a problem. Um, you know, Coastal Carolina. It, it just has. It just has that feel, Brandon, that like they can't be beating. Like it's it's almost like a team a year. So like 2013, Brandon, there was not like other than that after that LSU game in early September when that team was still young. Throughout the year, it almost seemed like that that 2010 and 2013 over team. There was almost like there's no way they could lose. Right after the prayer, Jordan Hayer, like how does this even happen? And I felt that way about LSU last year. Uh, uh, honestly, I, f- I feel like there's a team every year where you're like, man, how does that team get beaten? And I feel that way about Coastal Carolina. So I got Coastal Carolina here, Brandon. I have Coastal Carolina 45-35 over Liberty down in Florida in the Cure Bowl. Yeah, I had a fairly similar score. Um, I don't think Coastal Carolina covers the seven and a half point spread. I'm going with Coastal Carolina 41, Liberty 35. Um I don't okay. What I don't understand though is how the how the over under is at fifty nine and a half for this game. Yeah, smash that. It's, yeah. It's gonna, there's no way they don't hit that. Absolutely. Um, but guys, that wraps up our I guess bowl preview segment here. What we, we can't really call it pick six, but bowl preview segment. But guys, we got two storylines to wrap up the episode with. We're gonna start. With Auburn, they finally found their Gus Malzahn replacement, Brandon, out in Boise, Idaho. It was an unconventional hire, and it shocked experts across the country because no one even was mentioning this dude interviewing for the job. 
and it came out of nowhere. It came just in the middle of the night. It was broke. It was broke by a you a Yahoo Sports reporter, Brandon. Not even two four seven Auburn reporters. Not not from ESPN. Not from Paul Feinbaum. A Yahoo national sports reporter broke this news. And so I don't know how it happened, but what do you think about the Harson hire and what grade would you give it overall? Yeah, so I don't really, I don't really know about this hire, Zach. And I mean, I'm not trying to be like any kind of way about it. I mean, I know he's been at Boise State. I know he's a good head coach and all, but I didn't really realize that he was. I don't, I don't know how to put. I didn't know he was on the market. Like, I didn't know he was like going to have a new job after this season. I didn't think he was done at Boise State. Um, as a matter of fact, I had to like as soon as I saw the headlines, like Auburn hires Harson. I was like, okay, where was he at? Like, what school was he coaching at? It was at Boise State, obviously, and I mean, I'd, I'd heard his name before. It's not, it's not that bad. It's not like he's a no name. I mean, he's a good head coach, <laughs> and he was at Boise State for some of their better seasons. Um, it just kind of came as a shock. I, I mean, you you hardly ever see an SEC hire with like no SEC connection whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really don't. And his closest thing he got, he was to. This is funny, Brandon. He was the head coach at Arkansas State. He was Arkansas State's hire after Malzahn left for Auburn. That is, uh, he's just going to follow. Uh, he's just going to follow him around forever. <laughs> yeah, and the closest he came to his Southern ties is he was the offensive coordinator for Texas for a year or two. Um, yeah. But he was the offensive coordinator when Boise State won the Fiesta Bowl. He was the he was the offensive coordinator that called the Statue of Liberty play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the in the reverse crossing route, and he was the head coach when they won the Fiesta Bowl in 2014. He's a winner. I mean, he's won everywhere he's been, Brandon. I mean, he was 69 and 19 at Boise State. Nice. He he won three Mountain West championships. He won his division five times. In his career, he's 76 and 24 as a head coach. He won the Sun Belt Championship his one year at Arkansas State. And you know, the thing that gets me, Brandon, you know, at first I was like you. I mean, I've heard of this dude's name, but he was never rumored to be c- in connection with the job. It was just kind of out of nowhere. We, we all heard the, you know, names Hugh Freeze, um, Brent Venables, Billy Napier, all these dudes with SEC or Southern ties. And here comes this dude that was born, born in Boise, Idaho, played football out there, coached out there, and never had an SEC connection at all. And I see Bama fans, especially Bama fans, as we all could imagine, laughing like, oh, my God, how could you hire this dude? I just want to I just want to know, Brandon, could you give me one tangible critique of this hire? Um, I guess I guess my only real critique is that he's never coached in the power five. Like that's to me or not. Well, he's coaching the power five. He's never been a head coach in the power five. That's my critique. I mean, and and I guess like if, if I'm being if I'm going to step into the mind of, of someone who's going to be critical about this, maybe that he's 69. I mean, 69 and 16 is a great record. Don't like, that's incredible. That is so good. But at Boise state in the mountain West, I mean, we just got done trash in the mountain West. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, we can't expect him to be undefeated though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even Chris Peterson wasn't undefeated at, you know, Boise State. I mean, and, you know, I found the three main critiques, Brandon. One is, like you kind of mentioned, it's not an SEC blue blood. You see it every year, Brandon. Where where did Ole Miss go? Lane Kiffin. He's been in the SEC for years and years. We saw Jeremy Pruitt get hired at Tennessee for years and years. We saw Florida, Dan Mullen, and Jim McElwain in 
in the SEC for years and years. Like everyone always sticks with these Southern ties. I mean, even um, Mike Leach had some coaching experience down South. Uh, nobody ever hires outside the box. And so my response to that one critique is, why don't we see how it works out first? I mean, because apparently it's not working out for Tennessee. It didn't work out for Florida for the longest time. It didn't work out for Georgia for the longest time. It definitely didn't work out for Ole Miss at points. I mean, yes, Hugh Hugh Freeze would have been a great hire, but my thing is, Brandon, Hugh Freeze is exactly the hire that everyone thought Auburn would do. Right. So why not go outside the box? You know, you thought inside the box when you hired Malzahn in the first place. You definitely thought inside the box when you hired Gene Chizik. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I just called that outside the box. That was something else. (laughs) I mean, recruiting, another thing. I mean, I know it's the Mountain West, but you have to say this. Every year he's been a head coach, Brandon, he's had the number one recruiting class in his conference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. You, that's got to speak for something because I mean, it's not easy to keep what Chris Peterson had at Boise State going for seven years. No, absolutely um, not. And then the other thing is it's not a splash hire. It's not Venables. It's really the main critique, right? I mean, it's not Venables. And it's like, I don't know if Venables would leave for any job right now. But yeah. at least you had to try. That's true. That's and true. if you're not going to get Venables, the SEC clearly doesn't want Hugh Freeze back. I, I don't blame them at this point. They want him to serve his quote-unquote punishment out. Why, do, why does everyone think that there was anyone better out there? Like, why does everyone say, like, oh, you had to go get Lane Kiffin? Oh, you had to do this. Is it relate back to the blue blood theory where it has to be someone from the SEC? It's like it doesn't actually have to be. I think it was a change of pace hire, Brandon, and it's one Auburn needed. Auburn's been stuck in a rut since after after Tupperville, where we went after Gene Chizik. He had Gus Malzahn. They got Cam Newton for one year. They got stuck with this no huddle, hurry up offense stuff, and it was like the same. It was it's just the same consistency, the same pace for years and years. So why not go with something new? And this this brings me to the rumors I told you about earlier. I wanted to break on the podcast. A lot of people at two four seven are like a lot of people are looking at 247 and stuff saying like why didn't y'all get this right? Harson wasn't even on any of their hot boards. Why right. why did all these Auburn beat writers get it wrong? And it's because they're getting the, everyone wants a hot story. Like all these boosters and trustees were trying to undercut Alan Green, the AD, and say, oh, well, they're looking at Hugh Freeze. They're looking at Lane Kiffin to try to get him to do that. Right. To try to garner interest. Kevin Steele, Brandon, never got an interview. Which is crazy to me. Like that's that's the main thing I wanted to touch on. Like why? Why didn't he get an interview? You want to know why? He was one in thirty one as a head coach, Brandon, at Baylor. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> we could we can leave uh, that one behind. Yeah, let's let's not bring that up. <laughs> uh, so he didn't get an interview, Brandon. Billy Napier got an interview, but never was formally offered the job. Weird to me. I don't know. Brent Venables had an interview. He had a kind of like a soft offer, but they just wanted to see his interest. He said, no, they moved on. Brandon, the three list of actual candidates that interviewed and were interested were Billy Napier, Harson, and Brent Venables, with Bill Clark from UAB being the fourth guy who they kind of guarded interest in, but he never had a formal interview. Right. Every single other person was a smokescreen set off by a booster that didn't know what they were talking about that wasn't on the committee. Yeah, you know, I might start doing something like that, by the way. It's, yeah, I'm I mean, gonna start putting rumors out there. Yeah, well, I mean, why not? They eat it up like, and it kind of it kind of brings in. This is why people don't trust 
you know, certain sports reporters and stuff like that. Like, it doesn't always have to be a debate or anything. Like, I listened to an interview after Harson was hired on CBS Sports. Did you do you know what their like tagline is on like their YouTube channel? Like after videos, you know how like ESPN and Fox Sports and all them, they're like, tune into da 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 to see this show, this show, and this show. They always have plugs at the end of the YouTube videos now. Yeah. CBS Sports said, tune in here to hear real sports takes with stats and you know a, like instant analysis. He was like, We're not here for the fake debates and uh, like fake outrage. Yeah. And I was like I was like, whoo, I was like, I like CBS sports right now. Like, it's like, no one wants to report what's actually happening. They just, all they heard was the coaching search was crazy. They, they were offering all these people jobs when in actuality, Alan Green, the AD had his three candidates and he interviewed all three of them and got one of the ones he wanted. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, good for any, if that's what he said, I would do. That's great. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. See, I, so I'm, I'm going to give it a subjective grade because, like, the Auburn fan in me wants to say A, and they could have hired anybody, and I would have like found a way to spin it. But I'm going to get I'm going to give this one a B plus, Brandon. I think that's fair. I think it's a it's an out of the box hire. He's a winner. He's won everywhere. He can recruit. He's an offensive guy. That and you got a quarterback in Bo Nix that people are like. He's got one more year to develop, or we're out on him. So get an offensive guy who has done it with multiple quarterbacks. He, every single year at Boise State that he didn't have a quarterback injury, he had a 3,000-yard passer and a 1,000-yard rusher. That's what right. you got. You've got to have that at Auburn. I give it a B plus because it could backfire, but I like the out-of-the-box hire. The dude's a winner. The dude can recruit. The only thing he's missing is a big name, so I think a B-plus is fair for now. And if he goes on to win, that's an A hire. But for right now, I think a B-plus B plus to a B is a safe grade they put on this. See, I was teetering. I'm teetering between – because I don't want I – mean, I'm not going to sit here and like – and I know I'm easily tricked. I know I'm easily talking to <laughs> I'm going to go – I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go – I'm going to speak for the rest of everybody, for the rest of the people that aren't – Okay. Dance, for everyone who, know, who doesn't know who – who, uh, who Brian Harson is, and I'm gonna give this one a C, just because. Okay. I mean, that's an average hire. I, I'm not gonna say it's a bad hire. I'm not gonna give it like an F. I mean, I don't think it's the worst hire in the world. <laughs> it's not hiring like, Brett Belima in Arkansas State. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's definitely not that. Um, but it's it, you know, I feel like I feel like the the Auburns of the world can hire big names, and I feel like if Auburn would have gone after a big name. Like really and truly gone after the Hugh Freeze or, or the Wayne Kiffin, they they probably could have got them. Yeah, they, they didn't. They set out like you said to these three co- or to these yeah three coaches. They got one of them. I mean, so they want. We know what this guy can do. I'm gonna give it a C. I like that, guys. This 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 segment will be revisited. There's a coaching hire that happened today that I really want to break down. But Brandon's traveling right now, which is you kind of probably tell with the audio. There's a hire at Arizona that I thought was very, very interesting. I want to break down. I'll be on next episode. But, guys, the last segment today, we're going to give y'all who our three Hospital finalists should be. The finalists are announced very soon. I think it's, what, next week or something right. like that. They're announcing the three finalists. So, Brandon, who's who are your top three and your four and five spots that could be replacements? So I think they're inviting three, but they always move it around. So, give me your top three with your two potential four and five participants and give me the odds on your quarterbacks right now. And I just want to say the latest Heisman odds, Brandon have Devonte Smith as the favorite to win with Mac Jones at a plus plus one seventy and second and a plus 1900 for Trask at third. 
isn't that crazy to you? I, I mean, that's nuts because <laughs> Devontae Smith certainly is not going to win, even though he probably should. Like that just – he's minus 170. That's crazy. Yeah. What's crazy to me is that in the odds, the top five, we've got we've got three Alabama players. <laughs> like how insane is that? It's it that you know that actually could work in Kyle Traska's favor. Oh, I mean, no kidding. I mean, it, it, when they take boats away from each other, absolutely, yep. it's going to work in his favor. Um, and I don't mean to be chalk right now, but I feel, I feel like my my rankings are pretty similar to what the odds are right now. Um, I, you know, I, I picked this segment because like it's, it's something we had to cover, something we need to give our opinion on. But if our top three aren't the same, like I'm going to have a problem because I feel like there's three obvious people that have to be invited. So let me give you my top three in order. Um, I'm just going to run through them real quick. I'm not going to – I mean, we've broken them down on every single episode that yeah. we've had so far. So I'm going to give you my top three in order of who I realistically think will win this, uh, this award. I'm going to go with in, – in, in third place, I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. Um, in second place, I'm going to go with Kyle Trask. In first place, I'm going Mac Jones. Mm. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, really. I like it. I like it. Who do you have? Any, who do you have any idea if they invite like four or five? Who they might invite? Trevor Lawrence because he's yeah because he's he's like the best player in in the history of college football. Maybe that's like he's, true. He's, like a, he's just a real. I mean, I'm not saying like he's he's performed the best in college football. I'm saying that he like legitimately is probably the best quarterback we've ever seen. Like he just yeah. is. Um, I like that. And probably. Uh, I'd be hard pressed that they invite three players from Alabama. Maybe Najee Harris. Um, no, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll stick. I'll stick with Najee Harris. Okay. You see, my three right now, and well, I'll give my five in order. I think Najee Harris would be the fifth person they invited. I think they'd invite Trevor fourth if they went to four, just because he has to be at least at a ceremony. Right. And, and he has never even been to a ceremony yet. Like you got to invite him at least. Um, at three, I have Mac Jones in third, Brandon. I think a lot of voters are going to contribute his success to Najee Harris and Devontae Smith. Yeah. I think that's going to take a lot of votes away from him. And so I th- really think Mac Jones is going to suffer because of that. And at two, this is going to blow your mind. I have Kyle Trask and at one, I have Devontae Smith. I know that sounds, I know that sounds stupid. That sounds insane. Hear me out. I, this has been a QB award for generations, Brandon. I get that. But if there, I don't remember there's a year, even Desmond Howard's year, there's never been a year where more buzz around a wide receiver winning it has happened than this year. That's true. I mean, Devontae Smith for Heisman has started weeks ago, and the buzz was so loud after the SEC championship game, right? I mean, 15 catches was an SEC championship record, a Bama record. He had two touchdowns, almost had a punt return. If if there was an ever a wide receiver outside of Desmond Howard, and you know, I did make the argument on the podcast, Randy Moss should have won it for Marshall. No one agreed with me, but y'all are wrong. That should have happened with his stats. Devontae Smith should win it. I mean, you look at the – so, Brennan, the conference championship weekend has always pretty much determined the winner of this award. We saw Kyler Murray take it from Tua on, on championship weekend a few years ago. We saw Joe Burrow eat up Georgia in the SEC championship. We saw Cam Newton set the SEC championship record at, at that time with his performance. Mac Jones had a good performance, but – Almost, I think it was 85% of his output was to Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, but to be fair, what what is Kyle Trask's output to to Kyle Pitts and um, Kadarius Tony? Um, I, I I don't I don't think it's as much as Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. I don't know. And I think the offense – and I don't think Kyle Pitts is on the level of a Devontae Smith, and he definitely doesn't have a running back like Najee Harris. No, no, I mean, you're right. And God forbid you tailor in the first few weeks of Jalen Waddle being healthy. Mechie's <laughs> over here just laying dudes out. Exactly. And then you got that offensive line. Which offensive line do you take him? Uh, Alabama's. Exactly. Exactly. But – Guys, that is our Heisman finalist. That's our projected winner. The results won't be here for a while, so we'll get to that once they drop them. But that's a wrap on this episode. Brandon's traveling right now. I'm traveling next week, but we're still getting episodes out. We'll update y'all on the schedule soon. But guys, tune into all the bowl games. They're going to be all, they're amazing. We don't have as many as this year. So all y'all that complained about the 37 bowl games, y'all are going to miss them this year. And I don't want I don't want y'all to come crying to us about it because we told y'all y'all were going to miss them. That Bad Boys Mowers Bowl is going to be in the back of your mind while you're eating your Christmas ham this year. Just know that. <laughs> But guys, follow us on Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods, Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod, the Blue Bloods CFB Podcast on YouTube, the Blue Bloods CF, no, what is it? The Blue Bloods Pod.com is our website. I got a little confused there. That was hard for me, beat up, but go follow us on everything. You can find the podcast anywhere. Like, rate, subscribe, everything to the podcast. Tell all your family members this Christmas to go listen to the Blue Bloods. Give them a Blue Bloods. Get, just put it on their phone for Christmas. That's all you got to get them. Don't, don't even spend a dime. We're free. Add them to their Apple podcast or whatever on their phone for Christmas this year. But guys, y'all have a Merry Christmas, and we will be back very, very soon. But for right now, we're out.